0: Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Force Goes Coast to Coast, Multiversity Comics Star Wars Podcast. I am your host, Alice W. Castle. I am here every month trying to guide you through the galaxy far, far away from news, from the films, TVs, comic books, video games, everything that we can. Uh, This episode I am joined, as always, by Brian Salvatore. How are you doing, Brian?
1: I am actually just finishing up a small bag of Star Wars-themed jelly beans. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: I should have brought snacks.
1: How can you be bad if you're eating jelly beans?
0: That is very true. So, this episode is going to be slightly different, as you can probably guess by the title. Um, The last month has been a slow month for Star Wars news, and that's kind of an understatement. There has been... Almost nothing happening other than, like, resistance coming out for the past couple of weeks. Well, did That's you hear, th- all we've had. Did
1: you hear the crazy rumor today? No. Okay, so I'm throwing a big spoiler warning here. Because oh, boy. there was an episode 9 casting rumor today that is bonkers.
0: Okay, and- I've seen nothing of this, so ignore what I was just saying about okay, no, I don't, it being a slow slowman.
1: Pretty much everybody online is saying there's no way this is true but i I, okay. I want to just put it out there i am sorry if this happens to be true and you heard it from some dipshit from new jersey on a podcast <laughs> i'm sorry okay <laughs> but you know how matt smith was cast in the film
0: uh vaguely yeah.
1: the rumor is he is playing young palpatine
0: bullshit no he's <laughs> not
1: i told you it's bonkers bonkers
0: like, how is that, like, as a flashback, are we doing Dark Empire, is he a clone, what?
1: I don't know, but that's, like, that's the rumor.
0: Every variation of that idea sounds... Horrible. shoes yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... God. So, I don't believe it, but I, I figure I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it, so...
0: So, yeah, that, that's that been the height of Star Wars news for the last month or so, folks, so... Yeah. What we decided to do this episode is something a bit different, something that we've been talking about for a while, which is basically just like our favorite parts of these episodes are just where me and Brian have a conversation about Star Wars. Um, And hopefully it's what you folks like to listen to as well. Um, What we're going to do this month is basically try and break down our personal definitions of the Force as it exists in the Star Wars galaxy. What it is, and what it isn't. Um, which is going to be interesting. Because, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm interested to see how this will go. Me too. Basically what we're going to do is, each of us has three points of what the Force is, or at least what we define the Force as being, um, or what we think the Force is, and what the Force isn't, from our point of view. Um... And we're going to do a little back and forth on each point, just kind of break down our perspectives on the Force, and we're just going to kind of see where it takes us. Because, you know, what's a podcast if not rambling for an hour?
1: (laughs) Exactly. So, Alice, why don't you start with something the Force is or is not?
0: Cool. Um, Well, the first thing that I wrote down when I was sitting there on my lunch break today thinking how the hell am we going to come up with three points of what the force is and what the force isn't. First thing I went to um, is that the force is categorized twofold. The living force is the energy field created by all living beings, the thing that connects living creatures in the galaxy. The cosmic force is the transcendent energy that living beings join um, upon death. The the residual energy of life that is in space and the stars that is woven between, um, planets. That's, that's kind of the core of the force for me. Okay.
1: Um, now that definition is probably most like completely defined in the Dave Filoni produced animation world. Correct. Would, would you agree with that?
0: One hundred percent. Yeah
1: that is that is certainly a more nuanced understanding of the force than say somebody who has only seen the feature films would probably yeah uh you know uh possess um
0: i believe that the ideas of the cosmic force and the living force weren't really introduced until at least in and kind of my viewing wasn't really mentioned until phantom menace um but I feel like it was very lightly touched on. I think Qui-Gon mentions the Living Force, like, once or twice. Um, But yeah, a lot of what I've taken that from is stuff like the Mortis Archon Clone Wars um, and stuff from Rebels, uh, especially the later later seasons of Rebels. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I... um... You know, this is one of those things where I am sure I'll have more... Opinion after I finish Rebels, um, sure. You know, but I will say that, like to me, that all makes sense. Even if I never, in my younger days, had that language to say that exactly. Like, yeah, you know, I, I think that the idea of like the cosmic force is essentially what we see Obi Wan. Tap into at the end of A New Hope, right? The, like, yeah, you know, th- that was always the the sort of implication there, even if there wasn't a language for how that was different than the force that Luke was using. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I I think that that's the kind of like world building and mythology that I'm I'm actually totally cool with in almost any scenario where it's building upon something, but it's not necessarily doing it's not necessarily introducing any. Concept that wouldn't be familiar to somebody who is new to this language, but also you know gives a deeper meaning understanding.
0: Yeah, it's still born of what we see in the original trilogy, and at least the way to me, like the core of the Force, as is, as it it is explained in the original trilogy, comes from Yoda. Right. it comes from those training montages and what he, how he describes the force is, I think kind of the core of what is extrapolated from. And his, everything is all about kind of the flow of energy um, between all things, all matter, um, even inanimate matter. So that's kind of where I take the idea of the, where like how I conceive of the living force is, what binds um matter as opposed to the cosmic force which is like the beyond the kind of transcendent energy which is where it gets like really spiritual
1: right yeah that makes sense to me all right So, you ready for one of mine
0: yes Okay. Hit me.
1: and i'm gonna go with with something the force is not um
0: sure <clears throat>
1: the force does not have agency
0: Ooh, interesting. The
1: force is something that exists that people can tap into and use and have experience with, but the Force does not tell you what to do. The Force does not have the ability to change its situation.
0: That makes sense. Uh, and again, that, that feels kind of um, derived from the idea that it is pure energy.
1: Right. Uh, you know, I I think a lot of times people try to compare the force to like a uh to some sort of religion. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you're you know, the easy thing you're trying to do is you're trying to make the force into God, right? But yeah. I mean, for most religions, God has agency. God can God can change things. And I just it doesn't mm-hmm. ring true to me that the force would have that would have that sort of uh those are agency, you know, if anything, the force is sort of like how, how Voltaire described God, which is that God is a, uh, somebody who spins a top and the world is the top and then the top spinner walks away. You know, that you. you yeah. I, I guess you could say the force brings things into being, but it's not, you know, I don't think that when Luke was reaching out for his lightsaber, it was the force that was, that wanted to bring the lightsaber to Luke's hand. Luke was using that energy to do so.
0: Yeah, I mean, if anything if there is a kind of religious kind of analogy here, it is that um through the force we have the agency of God, we are the ones that change the universe right. um with the force being purely a metaphor for you know the impossible things we can do when we set our minds to it, and stuff like that um. If we were um bridging that metaphorical gap between like the lived in Star Wars universe and the error universe. Um but yeah, I I I agree with that. And I actually had something very similar um in my list of what the force what is the force not, um which is that the force is not dictated by the training, the teachings of the Jedi and the Sith. Which is that the the force exists beyond these dogmas the the force is not just about what the jedi think it is and just not what the sith think it is it is these are just facet larger um, entity i don't no nah, entity is not the great word but a larger understanding um exists beyond them
1: right yeah that all makes sense to me as well all right why don't you hit us with another one
0: um. let's go with cool so one of my points for what the force is is that the force resides in all things um, as I've established in the whole living force cosmic force thing um, but can only be n- manipulated by those especially sensitive to it and this is where I kind of pull in the middle chlorine stuff which I know is a bugbear for some people. But. It exists in the text. So it's hard to get away from. Um, and the way I've always. Kind of perceived it. Is that the. the origins are. The. I want to say the catalyst. Or at least the the kind of. Conduit. Is probably a better word. Through which people who are sensitive to the Force, are able to manipulate that Force. Um, I think boiling it down to base numbers, which is like the person with the higher chlorian count is the more powerful Jedi, um, was a mistake. But I do like the idea that there is a kind of tangible quality to Force sensitivity. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. In fact, one of my... Um... The force isn't statements is the force cannot be learned by everyone, yeah, and so th- it's a, it's a very similar idea, you know it's just the idea that there are certain people who are more in tune with how to use the force than others
0: mm-hmm. um, and I mean, sorry, remind me where you got to and rebels
1: all right, so uh school has started up again for my daughter, so we're we are much slower sure. We just finished the first half of season two. So, we just saw um, uh, Ezra just found out his parents are dead, or was told his parents are dead.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's, like, exactly where the, kind of, like, um, mid-season finale is.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Um, Cool. Um, Because, like, what I was um, going to talk about is there is a character in season three and a little bit in season four called the bendu i don't know if you've kind of seen much of um this character i have not no um i don't want to spoil it but it's basically like a a sensitive entity that is kind of beyond human not recognition but kind of is basically a species unto himself um is this like incredibly ancient um but very um spiritual being that um Canon goes to for guidance and it it like it is a very dave Filoni idea and it's probably why I really like it, but it's kind of um the idea that there are are these beings that are hyper attuned to the force um be that because they have um, Superhuman chlorine counts or, or whatever. The idea that there there are those beings born connected to the force, and that the humankind in the galaxy, or like even the the, the humanoid species of the galaxy, have a kind of fraction of that connectivity is something that fascinates me. Um, that there is there there are people who are are connected to this. Energy, and like some may be more sensitive than others, and others may kind of train themselves to become um, as attuned to it, but there there is something that is a, a tangible connected tissue from the organic being to the the manipulation of the the cosmic force right um, and the Bendu and a little bit of the Mortis arc with the the kind of like force god Odds, if you could call them, the the three on mortis, mm-hmm. um, kind of tie into that. That is, this idea that there there is a larger spiritual world to the force. That there are beings that are connected to that, and humans, or at least the the humanoid species, um, that we follow, kind of see glimpses of that. That that to me is like a really interesting part of the force that. Is really characterized by the kind of like felony led canon aspect and not something I think was necessarily um, explored in a lot of kind of old EU stuff.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. My question was so this is going to start off sounding depressing. I promise it's not going to stay depressing. So, um, okay. So, you know, my dad has cancer, and so I've been learning a lot about cancer sort of as this goes on. Sure. And there is this, um, there's this number that they measure of my dad. It's called the tumor marker level. And it, um, they basically take a blood sample, and they can determine how strong the, the cancer presence in your body is. And the doctor said to me that if I took my mm-hmm. blood, and presumably I don't have uh, cancer, uh, it would still show up at like a 30 to 50 level. That, like, that, okay. that is, like, that, is, that everybody has some of it in their blood. So my question to you is, sure. does, does everybody have some midichlorians?
0: I believe so, and and it's one of those things where it was so negatively received from uh, Force Awakens that, like, there was there was almost no expansion on the lore of what midichlorians are, because they just dropped it as of right, yeah. the second movie um but something that i i um kind of assumed was that yeah everyone has um chlorians, or you know um everyone's kind of touched by these microscopic beings and it's through them that is a they become a conduit to the manipulation Uh, of the force and the concentration of those midichlorians is what leads to a um, more heightened natural force sensitivity Mm -hmm. Um, like I do believe that there are those who could learn to slightly manipulate the force without being necessarily sensitive to it um, as evidenced by characters like Churit and Baze Mm -hmm. Um, they are characters that I wouldn't necessarily call for sensitive, but are are kind of attuned to to the kind of wavelengths of the force. Um, See, that's interesting. I don't,
1: mi- I don't know how I would classify them. I haven't thought about them in this way.
0: Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, because I don't necessarily think of them as consciously manipulating the force, but I can only imagine that through their, I guess the the for lack of a better word, their faith in the power of the force. Allows for some kind of unconscious manipulation. Right. Um, I, I'm especially like obviously there's just the idea that um, Chirrut is blind, but is still so sensitive to to the world around him that he can f- still fight and still shoot and still act not as if he could see, but with a greater attunement um, to his other senses. And I'm like. It's been a while since I watched Rogue One mentally, but there's the the scene just before his sacrifice where he's like kind of walking out into the the beachhead to press the button to do the thing that I don't necessarily remember what it did but like his whole um it, walking across the beach
1: doesn't it like uh, unjam the radio maybe
0: Yeah it it does something <laughs> we important know this. Um, We
1: love Star Wars we should really We we
0: really do but like I said it's, it's it's been a hot second and like those kind of details Slip by me, something. Yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, he he walks out and he's he's chanting his mantra, um, and basically like walking through a halo of laser fire, and like he should get hit, probability wise, like there is a high probability of him being hit. Right. But I I believe in the idea that his faith in the force allowed him to make it there. Um, it wasn't a conscious manipulation, but he's not you know, curving laser bolts around him, but in his faith that he would make it, he does, and I think that's something that's not necessarily um, explored a lot, but in, in that moment, kind of plants that seed that, that exists, if that makes sense.
1: Sure, yeah. I like that one.
0: It, it Like, I, I, I don't want to take too much credit because I only thought of that as I was seeing it. Like, the idea of bringing chair into it only just came to me as I was talking through that sentence. Okay. So, um, that's, that's, that's how my thought process goes.
1: That's okay. Um, all right, so, my next one is something, so we, we've done those two. Right. Uh, like learning the Force, or extended exposure to the Force, I don't know how I quite want to say this yet, changes people permanently
0: sure yeah
1: um i don't think there's anybody who could have been a jedi or a sith who gave it up and was able to go back exactly how they were before yeah Uh, and i don't just 100 i don't just mean like from an emotional or um you know uh sort of mental standpoint i probably even mean physically Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine, I mean, we, we see Luke on um, an Octu after having cut himself off from the force for, are we assuming, like, ten years? Five years? Have we ever noticed yeah. that? We don't really know.
0: Um, I, I, I want to say, um, let me double check when uh, Bloodlines takes place, because I want to say it's about... Um, five, like between five and, um, oh God, Star Wars Calendar, you're the worst. Just have dates. Don't make me do math. Um, Bloodline takes place six years prior to The Force Awakens. Okay. Um, did you ever read that one? Not, the yet. One? Not yet. It's on Not my yet. shelf. Um, there, there is a part of that that mentions that Ben is off training with. Luke, okay, um okay. like the whole kylo renning hasn't happened yet okay um so far as like the um leia is aware um because i feel like that's something that you would you know notice
1: <laughs> right yeah
0: um so i would say that it is probably five years before force awakens that luke disappears okay
1: Because what I was going to say was, you know, we see Luke in The Force Awakens. Essentially, as soon as he reopens his connection to the Force, he is like, you know, he falls down, but he uses the Force to lighten his fall. Like it, it it has become such a part of who he is, even though he Mm -hmm. hasn't used it in so long that like he wouldn't allow him. He just couldn't have fallen without going back on the Force. It's it's a skill that once you learn. And you 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 sort of never lose it. Does that make
0: sense? <clears throat> yeah, like it becomes such a part of your own personal instincts that, um, because I I imagine that that is kind of an extension of, you know, the body's natural instinct to like catch you from falling. Right. Exactly. Like your your body doesn't want you to fall flat in your face because your body's like, hey, that's that's gonna hurt. Like that's not gonna end well for us. Right. And to extend that especially because he is at that point so attuned to the force that he can't help, but reach out right. is actually something really interesting. I hadn't thought about that.
1: Yeah. So I would say that, you know, just about everyone who has had training or I don't even want to say just training, but has, has had extensive exposure to the force is likely physically changed forever.
0: Yeah. Um, I I would say that that works both in a positive and a negative sense yes. because we have yes. Like we have evidence in universe that extensive use of the dark side of the force irrevocably changes like your physical appearance. That's actually where I um,
1: started this this like thought process from.
0: Yeah. Because like as soon as they established that Darth Maul's weird yellow eyes aren't like Part of his species, and also Palpatine and Anakin has them as they are like consumed by the dark side that that yeah i I can definitely see that, yeah, although I still side bar on that, I still wish that they'd kept the idea that palpatine's scars were just a factor of the fact that like the dark side of the force is so powerful in him that is just wasting away his mortal coil, yeah exactly, and not the lightning thing, um but that's. That's just a, a a sidebar there.
1: I agree with that sidebar completely though. So. Uh,
0: um what am I going to do next? Yeah, you're um go next. Oh, I like my next one is probably going to be like the the if if my first thought was um of what the force is, um being the the categorization of the living force and the cosmic force. My first thought of what the force isn't is the fact that the Force is not a set of powers to be unlocked in sequence. This is maybe my biggest annoyance, especially in old Expanded Universe um, uh, material and basically how people think about the Force, is the idea that training to become a Jedi or training to become more attuned to the Force is unlocking bits of the Force. It's not... the, the, The training that... Yoda puts look through on Dagobah has nothing to do with learning how to th- like throw stuff with rocks as he uh, or lift rocks right. as he put it in Last Jedi It was about attuning him to the connections around him, and in doing so, he becomes naturally more tuned to the to the living force and is able to manipulate that more readily. Where I think this thought process came from is partially from. Um, how much of the expanded universe was inspired by the West End Games role-playing game system. Okay. And also partially by just the proliferation of, like, Star Wars video games in general, Um, especially stuff like Knights of the Old Republic. There is this idea that force powers are separate and distinct and that you need to kind of learn each one. Right. That to learn... And force pull and force choke isn't like is something that you have to learn in sequences, of, like powers like video game unlocks. And I get why they do that in a video game.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: Cause yeah, that makes sense for a progression. But it's what annoys me is when that kind of structural idea then influences not just like the actual media being written, but also how people view the force. And I think that's where a lot of the idea. Of Ray being a Mary Sue because what, how could she do X, Y, and Z? How could she do a Jedi mind trick without learning right. how to do a Jedi mind trick right. came from? And my answer to that is that a lot of the force is an instinctual manipulation in the situation. Um,
1: I think I'm gonna make your day with what my
0: I'm my i uh, ask.
1: I think the best example of ever, the best on-screen example of somebody le- properly unlocking their potential in the Force happens in the at the end of the Matrix. Yes. Like once Neo gets it, he can do everything. Yes. One hundred percent. I told you.
0: That's I knew you a analogy. It. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. One hundred percent. Basically, like, uh, because I was literally just about to say that, you know, the force pull and the force push and the force throw and the force choke and all of these kind of telekinetic manipulations of the force are all the same, quote unquote, power. Um, what changes is intention, how the user is manipulating the force and what they are trying to do with it, and there's not a specific kind of sequence to learn. But so much as the more the user is attuned to the force, the easier it becomes to intuit how to manipulate the force in those ways. Um, and going back to the kind of Jedi mind trick example in the Force Awakens, yeah, part of that is just the fact that it's a funny joke that Rey uses a Jedi mind trick like Obi Wan. I I like that scene because that is a funny, well constructed joke of her. Trying and failing, trying and failing and trying and succeeding because she is exploring this newfound power that is growing within her. I don't think she knows whether or not that that's going to succeed but tries it and pushes just enough that it does. That, that That's why that scene works for me. The fact that people are coming back and be like, oh well logically how does she know that, this, that she can do this? I'm like, well she doesn't. The force is instinctual. And I think applying this kind of video game logic to force users and force powers, however you want to kind of define that, is a kind of backwards thinking, especially in terms of storytelling and what force users can do with the force. Because um, it also ties into the idea that, oh, well, how can Luke, you know, project himself across the galaxy with a force vision when it was never established that anyone could do this before? And I'm like... Because it's like he just needs to be there, and so he is because that's how that works, that's why the force exists.
1: Look, you're preaching to the choir uh, choir here about that, you know? Yeah,
0: sorry, that that was me getting very frustrated just at myself pretending to create a straw man.
1: (laughs) No, but you know, uh, ultimately, I think that. I also think that, like, you know, we can't get too upset about people thinking of the Force working that way because if you think about the way Luke is introduced to us initially, Luke learns the Force very piecemeal. Yeah. And I guess that's necessary because of how that first film is structured and because Lucas was flying by the seat of his pants with that first film. Yeah, you know, um, I,
0: I, that that was very, um, he he had that idea for for the force and was kind of, I I, I don't quite want to see makeup as he was going along, but a little bit, yeah.
1: Oh, a lot of it, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's okay. Like that's that that that's how this goes, right? That that yeah. that is how these things work. Um, so yeah, okay, so. My next one is probably the most basic thing I've said the whole time, but I think it's a it, – it is my turn, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I said I, it, it's, it's very, very basic, but I think that it illustrates a really important truth, so I want to mention it, which is that the Force is the most powerful thing in the galaxy. Oh, for like, sure. There is, there is, there is nothing else in the galaxy that can even approach the sheer um, magnitude of the Force. And I know that sounds very basic, yeah. but again, I think it's important to talk about just sort of the the immense power of the Force.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think it is why it has become such this kind of lasting defining part of what star wars is because star wars could have easily just become like more flash gordon-y as it went into movie two and they focused more on like the space battles and maybe some of the laser swords but there is a distinct concerted effort in empire strikes back to expand upon the spiritual and philosophical connotations of the force as introduced in star wars right that is kind of the 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 foundation of what star wars, as we know it today is you know you don 't get the last jedi and its kind of pontifications on whether or not the galaxy is better or worse for the intervention of force users without the explanation or the the extrapolation of the living force as explained in empire strikes back it, it just it doesn 't happen that 's where that foundation is laid and i think it is why star wars feels like it is If that makes sense as much as the first film is my favorite it is that sequence of empire strikes back that i think came to define what makes star wars star wars as opposed to just any space fantasy
1: yes yes i'll agree with that um Yeah, I I was thinking the other day about how, obviously, there is, if you really want to get pedantic about it, I'm sure there is evidence of the Force being manipulated somehow in Solo. But how Solo is the first Star Wars film to, I don't think, ever even mention the word Force. Yeah. Um,
0: Which is perfect, because... I, I I kept seeing people talk about the idea that um, if Maul shows up in the Solo sequel how is Solo Han Solo still a skeptic of the Force in A New Hope which is a whole other thing but I think what is perfectly defined or, or kind of um, established in Solo is the fact that he grew up in an environment where that part of the galaxy was never a factor in his life And to establish a character that gets through all of this kind of um, uh, um, obstacles in his life and get through all these scrapes and bruises without having to use the Force or even particularly know of the Force, I think perfectly kind of establishes the character as presented in A New Hope.
1: Not only that, but you can encounter somebody and think they're full of shit. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know, like like <laughs> he could totally face off with Maul and be like, there's there's some trickery here. He doesn't really have the Force. It's yeah. bullshit.
0: Cuz like maybe it's it's been a while since I've actually sat down to that scene and kind of listened to the dialogue. But from what I remember, Han's not saying I don't believe the Force exists. He's saying I don't think it has any power over my life, which is kind of the most important thing to him. Maybe I, maybe I'm misremembering, but that that's kind of always how I've read that. Is not him saying the force doesn't exist, but the 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 way Obi wan is presenting the force as this kind of all powerful kind of energy field that kind of uh, interacts with everything. And well, no, it is him saying like is, it's a it's a lot of bullshit. It's just it's a mumbo jumbo,
1: right? And, and but either explanation works. Like you know, like I said, yeah, he he could either not believe in the force at all. I mean, because I, I want to say that Luke, in in a very petulant way, says like, "You don't even believe in the force, do you?" <laughs> and and, Han, mm. and and Han says like, "Kid, I've been from one side of this galaxy, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, and says, you know, that he does, he doesn't believe. Essentially, that he's a non-believer. But that's like saying yeah. just because you've met like a rabbi or a priest that you don't that you have to believe in God. Just because somebody sure, yeah. attributes their life to something does not mean that you have to believe them.
0: All okay, right. So I just look up because I, I wanted to kind of double check some of the, the dialogue in that scene, just for my own kind of personal address. And there's a Rotten Tomatoes like quotes section of the site. Okay. And their number one quote under Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope, is Darth Vader's, "I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further." Which is from Empire Strikes Back, and like, there's, there's no way you don't know that's from Empire Strikes Back. Come on! But not
1: only that, that's not even that good of a quote.
0: It's not. Why is that? Oh god! That's... Of, of all the things anyway. said
1: in those movies, why would anybody focus on that?
0: Number two is Ben. Quotes Obi Wan Kenobi's use the Force, look. And I'm like, oh boy, the internet's weird sometimes. Sometimes, all the time. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Uh, um, so what's your next one? Cool. Getting,
0: getting back to Star Wars. Um, my next one is. Uh, what have I got left? cool you know, actually, um let's, this is-
1: let's do this let's take a quick break for a second so we can uh advertise for one of our uh, other multiversity comics podcast uh shows hello podcast listener i'm kevin
0: i'm jess and i'm nick
1: and we are make my multiversity a monthly podcast discussing all things marvel comics each month we will be discussing Marvel news and looking at some of their major recent comic book or movie
0: releases. We also look at older storylines, character histories, and Marvel's place in the overall comics market. We have a variety of perspectives. The recent Marvel fan,
1: the jaded longtime reader, and the reader who is finally digging into Marvel's back catalog after a decade of avoidance. So if you want to know what books made me cry this month, what books made me almost cry this month, and what books I wish would make me feel something. Check out "Make Mine Multiversity," a Marvel podcast. The fourth Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And make
0: mine Marvel, Multiversity, Multiversity. And we're back um, again. We're this episode we're talking about doing something a bit different um, and talking about basically mine and Brand's um, definitions of what the force is, what the force is, and what the force isn't. Um, Kind of as a little thought experiment, because um, Force has been wildly defined um, across all Star Wars media, and we kind of wanted to break down what our kind of key points of what the Force is, what the Force isn't. Um, I believe I was up next? Yes. Yes. Um, And really, I I have one kind of main point um, that I I, I want. We're
1: only doing one more each, because our last ones each were kind of bullshit.
0: Yeah. (laughs) The thing about it, uh, my my last what is the Force was the Force is the manipulation of energy created by life, which is just... That's kind of a self-explanatory, to be honest. But yeah, my, my last kind of main point is something that the Force isn't. Um, and it is the... The Force is not a phenomenon to be explained, which feels counterintuitive to this entire <laughs> thought experiment. Um, but to me, it's, it, it comes from the idea that for as much as we can dive into... Um, how midichlorians kind of interact with organic beings and how the energy um, of the cosmic force can be manipulated by um, sentient beings. There has to be some kind of fundamental ambiguity of the force. Um, I don't want an origins of the force. I don't want a, a full breakdown of how people can manipulate it and a full list of powers that they can gain by manipulating it. What I... I want from the force is this continued air of mystery that I think kind of got lost a little bit in the expanded universe as um, people kind of got caught up in these limitations presented by the films Um, but one of the things I I kind of want to keep and I think they've done a pretty good job of it and the new canon is that sense of ambiguity um, that derives from That kind of like spiritual, mystical nature in the Force. And a lot of that comes from stuff like the Mortis arc in Clone Wars, especially the last two episodes of um, Clone Wars Season 6, where Yoda goes to the Force planet. There's a lot of weird kind of dreamlike ambiguity going in there, no real concrete answers. And that's the, the kind of perfect Force story for me, is ideas being presented with no real concrete kind of answers being provided. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think essentially, most people agree with you in so much that everyone hates midichlorians because midichlorians aims to explain the Force too much. Yeah, even if it's you like said, as much as like, you, you, there, there is there is good from that. The way it was yeah. explained was really poor.
0: It really was, and I, I think it was kind of a, a, a half baked idea that never really got much follow-up because people hated it so much so they just kind of dropped any mention of it. Um and as as much as I've tried to kind of backdoor that into how I perceive the force, because for better or worse, it is a fundamental part of the kind of canon exploration of the Force in Star Wars. I that any kind of definitive answers beyond that is something I I kind of don't want to hear. And it's it's something I like that um Filoni's kind of um, animated series and Star Wars have kind of taken as much from the spiritual aspect of the Force as it has from the kind of scientific midi-chlorian aspect of the Force.
1: Yeah. Um, I totally agree with
0: that.
1: I think it's really important. Do you want to get into your your last point? Yeah, I I just want to say I think it's really important that overall we don't get so... Worked up on the specifics because it just it can ruin everything for you, right yeah is, you know part of the fun of the fact that we can have this conversation is that they haven't defined every part of the force, mm-hmm. and that if they did, we couldn't be doing this, so I think that's really good, okay, My last one is one I am not sure about oh, okay. And that's why I kind of wanted to save it for last. I, I have read things that convinced me one way or the other on this. So here is, okay. here is the statement I'm going to lay out for you, and then I'm going to instantly give you the opposite of it. Okay. Oh, okay. The power of the force is directly tied into the number of people who are trying to use the force. Okay. Let me explain. So I have read, when I first read this, I think it was on a Met, this was back in college, okay? And somebody had said that the reason that Darth Maul and Obi Wan and Qui Gon could do so much more with the Force was that there were more people using the Force. And therefore, the force was more alive, and so like that was their answer for why the fights in episode one with lightsabers were so much m- more interesting than the like return of the jedi lightsaber fights. I think there's a really that's fair I think there's a really easier way to explain that was just that they were better at it. <laughs> it's not that you know, but yeah, but they were essentially saying that like the um that the more people who are using the force, the more engaged the force is in the world and so you can tap into it more and so
0: i think that's certainly um kind of explored in the idea of the force awakens where like the the force isn't exactly dormant overall there is still a force to be tapped into but really as far as we can tell in that timeline of the galaxy the only main force users on kind of a, a kind of large galactic level are Snoke and kylo ren right and Snoke mentions the idea of, uh, um, I think it's in the last year, of darkness rising and light rising against it. Right.
1: Um,
0: of like the 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 title of the film is the Force Awakens. Right. It is the Force reawakening to bring a balance back to the galaxy. And in my opinion, choosing a avatar in Rey, um, be, probably because Luke doesn't want to be the avatar anymore. Right. Um, and so I, I definitely – it's something I've never necessarily thought of or considered, but it is uh, a reading that I, I'd be very into.
1: But see, here's the other side of it, right? The other side of it is that the opposite right. is true. And that the reason that Ray is able to do so much so quickly is that she has like a direct path to the Force because it's not blocked by other people.
0: Sure. I don't think those things are mutually exclusive.
1: I don't know. I, I just think it's it, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about, is sort of, you know, how the Force manifests itself.
0: Like, I think both of those things could be true at the same time. I think that the ability with which Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Maul and, like, pretty much any Jedi or Sith in the prequel trilogy can tap into the Force is helped by the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of active force users kind of buoying the the, the natural flow of the living force. Um because I mean remember Obi Wan's might be like a Padawan. Like Obi Wan is probably been taught maybe as much as Luke has in Empire Strikes Back by the time he's in Phantom Menace. Maybe like a little bit more there's probably a little bit more practice. But he is very still he's still very much a beginner and he's still doing wild flips and shit. Um, same with Anakin and Attack of the Clones. So I, I I believe that that can be true, while also, um, Ray being so naturally powerful because she is maybe the 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 chosen one of the Force. Um, I I think maybe it prescribes a little bit too much agency, um, to the Force. Yeah. Um that she is specifically the chosen one. Um but I think there is kind of something there that she is more naturally attuned to the force than anyone we have seen supposedly since uh Ben Solo. Um but I, I would argue since Anakin. Right. Um and I think that could be because of the Force Users of the Galaxy the only other kind of active, like, avatar of the Force, if you were to call it that, is Kylo Ren. And he embodies the dark side. And I think as much as I don't want to prescribe agency to the Force, there is something to be said of an avatar of the light being chosen um, in the same means.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: It's interesting to think about. Which is really all this episode is.
1: Right, exactly. Just giving us interesting things to think about until we have some real news to talk about. Uh, but that was fun. I I feel like... That was fun. I feel like I haven't... I expected you to say something that would blow my mind in a good or a bad way. And I feel like... Okay. I, I feel like we didn't do that. I feel like we each said things the other like appreciated and enjoyed and maybe learned something from but we didn't mm-hmm. offend the other one and their understanding of the Force.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think we were we were both kind of naturally on the same wavelength. I don't think I was going to say, like, the Force isn't a set of powers to be unlocked, and you're going to be like, horse shit, you have to get this much experience points in the Force to unlock Force Lightning. Um, but yeah, and and part of that's because, like, there there's some kind of late rebel stuff that I, I could have delved into but i want to hold back because i want you Thank to experience you. that Thank
1: you. I appreciate. That.
0: um as it comes but you know you know me i i'm a big felonnie mark so a lot of my reading of the force certainly comes from the kind of interpretations um explored in cologne wars and rebels
1: yeah i concur i i i think that the my limited experience with rebels and my now complete viewing of the clone wars i feel like i learned more about the force watching those than i did in any one live action film
0: yeah i i think there's certainly something to be said for how well those shows explore the nature of the force without giving too many concrete answers um so one of the reasons why I like the Mortis arc so much is that it presents all of these kind of um, wild aspects of the Force that people had never considered before without really getting into the nature of what exactly is happening and how exactly these beings are connected to the Force. Whether or not they are straight avatars of the Force, whether or not they're gods, what happens there is left purposefully ambiguous enough that these kind of con- conversations can be had um later on
1: right well um i would personally love people to tweet at us about what they think yes. about the force
0: if, if you're the person out there there's like super mad that we either didn't address something or you think our opinions are completely wrong please tweet us don't call us names um okay. but i'd love i'd love to further this um conversation about the nature of the force like i said I don't think any single interpretation of this is right. This is my personal inter- per- t- n- p- 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 interpretation. Words are hard, um, and Brian's personal interpretation. And if you have one that is wildly different, or if you think we're kind of on the mark, let us know. Um, I am, as always, at Alice W Castle, and Brian is at Brian a Nap. Um Please tweet us.
1: Yeah, I think this could actually be like I, I would even say. And I, I have not run this by Alice, so I might get scolded after the podcast for saying this. But oh, boy. I think that this might be an instance where if people are tweeting at us and we got some fun theories, maybe we reopen the hotline and let people call in with their interpretations of the force.
0: Yeah, I've been to that.
1: So, yeah. So if if, if this is something that appeals to you, you know, talk to us about it on Twitter, and we'll get you on the show in one form or another to talk about it.
0: Definitely.
1: And, uh, we have not talked about next month yet. We keep saying we're trying to try and do a second show each month and we are still trying to make that happen, but you know, we are busy people.
0: Time is a fickle thing. It
1: is. Um, but also, you know, there, there's a not unrealistic chance that the next time we talk, there's, there's been a, uh, Episode
0: nine teaser. Oh shit! Yeah, that is markedly possible. I mean,
1: if, if you recall, the episode seven teaser was released on Black Friday, a year and change before the film came out. And we will be recording our next yes. episode after Black Friday, a year and a cha- year and change before episode nine comes out.
0: Oh shit! Just now like I'm that. excited.
1: Now, I mean, to be fair, we did not get a last. <laughs> now no, I'm
0: going to be super mad when it doesn't I was happen. Say,
1: we didn't get a last Jedi trailer anywhere near a year away. Yeah. So, but I, but I think part of that is Ryan Johnson versus J.J. Uh, Abrams. And
0: part, yeah, and part, I wouldn't be surprised. And
1: part of that might also have just been like both with the both with the Force Awakens, and now after the lukewarm response commercially to solo and critically well, not critically and fan base wise to the last jedi they might need <clears throat> a kick in the ass trailer wise you know what i mean just like something to get yeah. excited about star wars again
0: i especially because i think part of what i don't want to say killed solo but part of what hampered solo's reception was the fact that it had so little marketing lead up um you know like last jedi was out in cinemas and we hadn't seen anything of Solo um, and that was like months away Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Lucasfilm is going to kind of try and get out in front of um, episode 9 and even if Black Friday comes and they drop the title or something like that just to get ahead and say like please be excited about Star Wars again Um, not that I necessarily want some of the people who were mad at The Last Jedi to be Part of the fan base, um, ongoing, but I think the kind of general consensus of Star Wars is that there needs to be some kind of spark again, um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Lucas is going to try and try and get out in front of that.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, uh, hopefully, we get a we have a teaser to talk about next time, or at least a title.
0: Oh yeah. Hell, we could even do a whole episode of uh, title speculation. <laughs> Maybe not a whole episode.
1: Real quickly, is there a word that you think will definitely be in the title?
0: Uh, I, I, Part of me thinks that there is going to be a big push on hope. Um, purely because this last appearance in a, a Star Wars film and that's kind of Leia's whole thing and it'd be a neat way of wrapping around from the first, like, chronologically released um, Skywalker saga film being a new hope, and this being something to do with hope. Um, maybe, maybe it's... Maybe Star Wars Fall of the First Order, as everyone says on the internet, is going to happen, but, um, like, I could not have called The Last Jedi no. a month out. I could not have called The Last Jedi a day out. Yeah. Um, so, I'll, uh, I'll be very surprised and hopefully happy when that title drops.
1: I think it's, like, the the logical part of me thinks this is not going to be the case. But I think that they're really leaning into the fact this is the last Skywalker saga film. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if it was called something with, like, the end or death or you know, some sort of very sure. final word in there. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Hopefully, we see before the next
0: show. Yeah, definitely. Either way, we will be back some point next month, if not before then, with a the second show. We will be figuring that out. So keep your at force. Oh, what's our Twitter at force coast c two c. Yes, is the number two. Yes. Keep an eye out in there. Keep an eye out on our Twitter uh, pages. We will be sorting stuff out. We will keep you posted um, when our next episode is going to be, what it's going to be about. I'm still trying to get this um, comics-focused uh, side episode started out, so we will see how that goes because I need to catch up in those comics, and that is a good excuse to catch up in comics. Um, but yeah, where can people find you on the internets, Brian?
1: Uh, aside from Twitter, you can find me always at multiversitycomics.com. We are, believe it or not, we are already starting our prep for the end of the year stuff. Which, oh, God, don't remind which me. Which is insane, but so where we are. And how about you, Alice?
0: Um, I am, as always, at Alice W. Castle on Twitter. You can find me at Multiversy Comics every Monday, um, recapping the last episode of Star Wars Resistance, which is a very good show in very surprising ways. Um the last episode that came out as of recording was The Children of Tahar, which was a really good, really socially aware episode. Um, and I kind of delved into that a bit and my five thoughts were released. so check those out every week if you're catching up on the show. Tweet me about Resistance because I want to talk about it and I feel like not many people on my Twitter are talking about it.
1: I have to catch up. Um, I'm guilty of not being caught up on the show.
0: It's a pretty good show. Um... There, there's some interesting things we can talk about once it kind of hits a midpoint. Um, our, our thoughts of uh, who the Red uh, TIE Fighter pilot are completely wrong, but have led into a completely wild, different part of the First Order. So I'm excited to oh, cool. explore that. Cool. But yes, um, we will be in your ears at some point within the next month. Um, like I said, tweet us about the show, tweet us about the Force